for you? My name is Doug Jones, and I wrote a book to help you figure it all out. Medicare for the Lazy Man. It's on sale at Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. Also, you can download and listen to my podcast, Medicare for the Lazy Man, wherever fine podcasts are given away free of charge. Medicare for the Lazy Man, simplest and easiest guide ever. Two wrongs don't make a Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. The Medicare podcast that reuses and recycles its jokes. And now, letting sleeping dogs lie, it's Medicare expert, Doug Jones. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. We're so happy to have you here this morning. And it's a beautiful, sunny Arizona morning, probably about 51 degrees because we had a rainstorm come through from California last night that uh, cleared the dusty air, but it uh, brought that temperature way down. So there are going to be a lot of whining complainers out there today. In fact, uh, my neighbor across the street is selling a Maserati. He's been had it looked at by two different people who have a lot of free time on their hands because they came in from other places to uh, play golf. And they obviously had no golf to uh, play because the courses were completely drenched. So it was uh, uh, something to do when they... Uh, had an opportunity to look at a car for sale. They took that opportunity rather than enjoy the game of golf. They had flown one, one pair of guys came from uh, North Carolina. I don't know where the other one was from, but out of towners here to play golf, supremely disappointed with the Arizona weather. But today the rain has moved out. And uh, now all we have to do uh, is deal with the cold, which is nothing compared to Illinois. I talked to my friends in Illinois yesterday, and they're having it. Uh, it's not snowy, but it is unpleasantly chilly. So anyway, uh, we are here to help you feel good about Medicare. That's uh, pretty much our lot in life, our goal, our our mission, as it were. And the way I do that for people is to recommend my book, Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023. If you were to go to Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com, you're going to find Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023 easily available to you in several different forms. Uh, we have a paperback, a reasonably priced paperback. We have an outrageously priced but beautifully designed hardcover book. We have a Kindle version, which is an ebook, and that is is uh, very, very attractively priced. And coming soon, I'd say it's going to be no more than two or three months, we will have the um, Audible book, wherein a professional reads the book and uh, you get to enjoy it. All that knowledge will be stuffed in your ear, your ear, your ear, and you won't have to do a darn thing. I'm watching my neighbor across the street, the guy that owns the Maserati. He's got a Cadillac that he backed out of his garage, and then he got out. He was going to fold his passenger side mirror in for some reason, and uh, it turns out the mirror is about to fall off the car. 
So he's having he's a, like a, having a wrestling match with this rear view mirror on the passenger side of his Cadillac uh, SUV or crossover SUV. It's got a four cylinder with a I think it's a um, it's not uh, it's not supercharged. It's a uh, you know the uh, other version of boosting the power. Frankly, I say get an eight cylinder engine. That would be uh, more my solution. Anyway, so please. Think, if you're coming up to Medicare, about getting Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023, I think you'll be well served by the knowledge that Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023 will share with you. And I think you'll have a very clear idea of what you've got to do and what's likely to happen when Medicare time approaches for you. I have a uh, a great friend and uh, a skillful podcast engineer sitting right across the computer screen from me and i want to say hello to him right now hello randy how are things going for you today mr jones how are you after that fine weekend we just had oh boy i've been warmer i'll tell you that you know cloudy and wet weekend is not my idea that's not what i'm paying for here in arizona I I am really going to have to whine, but I'm gonna I'm gonna limit it. But uh, just for the folks on the podcast that don't know, it was cold, rainy, cloudy, cloudy, cloudy. wet, crappy, and yeah. it's been that. It seems like it's been that way for several days. But the thing we didn't get hit with, I mean, flag, Flagstaff, uh huh, liter- literally got dumped on with snow like they were in Nome, Alaska. Yeah, they got a lot of snow. Now, that's nothing new. Why is it that everybody's screaming about a drought that happens every year? Snow melt happens in the spring. And where does that water go? Why doesn't it go to places where people are screaming for water? I don't know. That's Hmm. a great question. I have no answer for that at the moment, though. All right. Well, if an answer occurs to you, would you please interrupt the podcast and let me know? I will. I'll I'll have like like a little siren. You okay, know, like, that'll we'll interrupt the podcast for a breaking news element, <laughs> which that, would be something you dredged up from your memory. It <laughs> just that just something popped into Randy's head. Okay, I'll I'll be sure to bring everything to a screeching halt if we hear that siren. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's attack my pile of articles and interesting facts that uh, may or may not have something to do with Medicare. That's the reason we're here. Interesting Medicare content. And so uh, normally I have Randy choose from his list of uh, options, but today I just want to throw stuff away. So I'm going to plow through this stuff as quickly as I can. I've got a blurb here uh, for you colorectal cancer patients, and you know who you are. Um, apparently, there's a new procedure that holds promise for deciding, helping you decide, or helping your doctors decide, whether chemotherapy is going to be beneficial to you or not. It says liquid biopsy study suggests a better way to decide which colorectal cancer patients need chemo. And it, the article starts out, they're far too small to be seen by even the most sophisticated medical imaging device, but bits of tumor DNA adrift in a patient's blood are an important bellwether for whether cancer will return. This is pretty exciting for cancer patients. And as a new study shows, they can predict which treatments are likely to work. 
Scientists reported in the journal Nature Medicine on Monday that colorectal cancer patients who had tumor DNA in their blood after surgery were far more likely to have their cancer return. But the key finding was that it was the patients with the circulate with this circulating tumor DNA who needed and benefited from chemotherapy regardless of their cancer stage or other risk factors. And I would continue reading because I know we've got the colorectal cancer contingent uh, hugging the, the screen. The problem is that article petered out right there because they wanted me to pay money to subscribe to their stupid website. And I'm just not going to do that. So if you go find that article yourself, I'm sure for a couple of bucks, you can probably read the whole thing. And then I've got some correspondence from some clients. One of the clients is our old friend, Steve, who is a regular correspondent. I always like to hear from Steve. He heard me mention Pall Mall Reds or non-filtered Pall Malls. The old timers like me just call them Pall Malls. Um, that's what I used to smoke. And the reason I smoked Pall Malls was that I used to smoke Marlboros. And if I worked in an office with a bunch of other people, there were always a couple of bums who would come in to bum cigarettes. And, you know, bums is the appropriate term for these people. They wouldn't buy their own. They would say, I'm quitting. So just, you know, let me have one. I won't be smoking many of yours. And uh, then once they found that I was a sucker, I was an easy touch for cigarettes, they would be in there all the time. Well, I learned that if I was smoking Paul Malls, that they would refuse the cigarette and they'd say, I'd rather quit smoking than smoke a Paul Mall. I'm not manly enough to smoke a Paul Mall. And so um, that was a way for me to cut down on the expense of having co-workers that were a bunch of leeches. And so Steve says, my father smoked those. This resulted in him spitting tobacco, the ceiling, the walls, the TV screen, and whatever else was turning yellow. The funny part is that his doctor asked him about smoking, and he said he didn't smoke that much. The doctor looked at his fingers and said, I see you have a Chinese manicure. In the future, he would take bleach and try to clean his fingers before he went to the doctor. He also maintained that all medicine was alcohol with something added, and he'd rather have his alcohol straight. So he sounds like a very opinionated guy, and I believe Steve has followed in his footsteps. But uh, it's always nice to hear somebody reminisce about their their <laughs> their um, um, their ancient years, their uh, uh, formative years with their parent. Because I know my father smoked Lucky Strikes, and uh, that guy always had a Lucky Strike going. But he would generally put it in the ashtray, and uh, that was uh, probably the difference between Steve's father, who just kept his in his fingers. Uh, but the Lucky Strikes also went a lot faster. Paul Malls were longer than Lucky Strikes. Luckies and Campbells were short little dudes. And Paul Malls and some other non-filtered cigarettes were much longer, so you'd get more bang for your nicotine dollar. So then I had some correspondence with a woman in New York. And she's a fairly new client. She started with me in September. I crunched the numbers. Because she's in New York, which has a really weird legal environment, her her options were interesting because she was older than the average 65-year-old that would uh, ask me for 
Medicare assistance. She was in her mid sixties, I, I, you know, late sixties, I guess you'd say, and she was able, she was eligible for Plan F. And so, when I crunched the numbers for her, I found out what Plan F would cost, and I knew it would be way too high. Plan F, in her case, was three hundred and twelve dollars a month, <clears throat> and then Plan G, which is generally a lot more reasonable than Plan F and a lot cheaper was $290 a month. High deductible plan G, the uh, high value plan, as Randy would call it, was $60 a month. That's a huge difference. So I did some calculating and I convinced her that her best bet was to take the least expensive high value plan G and save that money, put it in her sock drawer or whatever under her mattress. And if she ever had the need for medical treatment, she could, she would have plenty uh, to pay the deductible in the high deductible plan that, that amount every year, starting uh, with year one would be $3,744 if she chose not to take plan F. So let's say she took plan F because she liked the idea of never having to pay a deductible. Well, the difference there would be $1,044. So I would say that she'd be better off taking the high deductible plan G and paying $700. Uh, she would have money left over even if she had the worst case scenario. And the same thing would apply if she took plan G, which was slightly less cheaper than plan F plan G would have cost her $290. <clears throat> if you subtracted the plan or the high deductible deductible from the out of pocket premium cost for plan G, then you would have $780 left over and the plan G premium or the, the, excuse me, the high deductible plan G premium would have been $720. So your money ahead, either way you go because of the weird legal environment in New York that forces up the premium or, or adds more expense to insurance company operations, the uh, plan F and the plan G have extraordinarily high premiums. And this lady understood at the time that if she took the high deductible plan, she would have the option of saving that money. And then if she ever had medical expenses that dipped into that deductible, even in a worst case scenario, she'd still be money ahead. The only difference is that she'd have to write a few checks because her doctors would send her bills after they found out that Medicare was going to pay 80%. Then the, uh, insurance plan the medicare supplement was uh had a deductible of $2700 so during the time that that was being accumulated she was responsible for 20% of the cost of medical services so frankly uh there is no way that she could lose money by taking the high deductible plan g but then she started talking to her friends and her friends started talking about how they don't pay anything and they don't have to do anything and they and so now she's all over me going geez you know how come you sold me this horrible plan so i find myself writing a, a long email explaining the benefit of having the small premium because let's suppose you go a few years when nothing happens to you you're going to pay a grand total for that year of 720 dollars 
for a high deductible, high value plan G, which limits your exposure in a bad year. If you have a bad year, you're still going to be money ahead. And I crunched the numbers seven ways from Sunday, and this lady is having difficulty because her friends are geniuses, and they're telling her what she should have bought. So it's a little disheartening to know that somebody, after understanding uh, a uh, very, very important financial situation, can be dissuaded by people who have uh, you know some other <laughs> purpose in mind. Anyway. I have another client who is a fairly new client, and I told her something. She uh, went to, uh, after her um, um, Medicare supplement plan and her drug plan were um, issued, and I told her that they were issued, she went to her account at Medicare.gov, and she said, I logged into my Medicare account today, and the PDP, the drug plan, prescription drug plan, is there. It's in there but not the plan G, but they did deduct the premium from my checking account uh, for the coverage already. Just an FYI, in case there's anything amiss, she was warning me that she didn't see her Medicare supplement plan on the government's website, the medicare.gov website, where uh, if you enroll in Medicare parts A and B on that website, they ask you to start a password protected account. And then if they want to communicate with you, they drop um, letters like a benefit verification letter into your account without telling you it's like a big secret. And so she said, um, my Medicare supplement information is not there. And I said to her, you should uh, probably never see a reference to a Medicare supplement on the Medicare.gov website. There is no connection between the two and the government does not know or care whether you have a Medicare supplement or not. Medicare Advantage plans are different in that when you have one of those, they take away regular Medicare and they replace it with the Medicare Advantage. Those same people oversee the drug plans. So I guess that's why you would see the, your, your drug plan on the Medicare.gov page. But now that your uh, Plan G has been issued, no one can ever take it away from you. So don't be concerned about anything going wrong. Well, then I got my quarterly packet, my uh, list of charges from my doctors that I had to pay. And and uh, it said, this information has been sent to your Medicare plan. And I thought to myself, wow, I might have misspoken. There might actually be a connection between the government and my Medicare supplement plan, which is Blue Cross Blue Shield of Illinois, a high deductible, of course. And uh, so I might have misspoken to my client about the fact that the feds don't know or care whether I have a Medicare supplement. I know that Medicare will pay their, their part no matter what you have. If you have nothing, they will continue to pay their part of charges if you get sick or need medical treatment. But I wasn't aware that they would know my uh, Medicare supplement plan. So I might have been a little too strong in my language about the fact that they don't know what I have. Uh, but if I were to let my Medicare supplement plan drop, which is the only way it can be taken away from me if I stop paying the premium, I believe that they will be, um, they will be uh, uh, continuing on without any change in their benefit payment. 
So that part is accurate. Okay, so here is uh, some information from a person who is not a client of mine, but he's a correspondent. His name is Blaine, and he has sent me some valuable, valuable information. And Randy is going to love hearing about this. Blaine sent one article to me, and then I found at the bottom of that article links to about six other articles. And so I said... uh, Uh, Blaine said to me, I found another interesting article on the scam that is Medicare Advantage. And uh, you remember Randy thought up the term scam vantage. So he's giving a big thumbs up to Blaine right now. He said, I'm pretty sure you'll again find this of interest. I think we all need to contact our congressperson and senators in support of the efforts of uh, the people mentioned in the article to get more people on board before Medicare, as we know it, is irreparably harmed. Uh, and I said, well, thank you very much, Blaine. The first article that I saw that you sent led to a slug more. So this ought to keep me out of the pool halls for a while. Thanks very much for your uh, contribution to the battle. And Blaine said, you're certainly welcome. Keep up the great work. So he is uh, on fully on board with the uh, war against Medicare Advantage, Medicare Scam Vantage plan. So I'll just hit the article that he sent me very quickly. And then in other episodes, I'll uh, go through the articles that uh, others have written. So this is written by a guy named Potter. His last name is Potter. Here is the truth. Medicare Advantage is neither Medicare nor an advantage. Medicare Advantage is a money-making scam. I should know I helped to sell it. And Randy's uh, going two thumbs up now. One thumbs up for Blaine sending this information, the other one for the author of this article. So he goes on to say, right now, well-funded lobbyists from big health insurance companies, and there's that's his stress, not mine. I do not think there's anything wrong necessarily if a health insurance company is big. So to begin again, Right now, well-funded lobbyists from big health insurance companies are leading a campaign on Capitol Hill to get members of Congress and senators of both parties to sign on to a letter designed to put them on a record expressing strong support for the scam that is Medicare Advantage. But here is the truth. Medicare Advantage is neither Medicare nor an advantage. And I should know I am a former health care. What he means is he's a former health insurance executive, not a health care executive. He helped develop PR and marketing schemes to sell these private insurance plans. And I don't have a problem with private insurance plans at all, but he is throwing in some words that I believe uh, are the antithesis of free enterprise. He's trying to tell us that big insurance companies, health care executives, and private insurance plans are uh, Uh, less than ideal in our free market society. Anyway, he says, during my two decades in the industry, I was part of an annual collaborative effort to persuade lawmakers that Medicare Advantage was far superior to traditional Medicare, real Medicare. And we know that having congressional support for Medicare Advantage was essential to ensuring ever-growing profits at the expense of seniors. I'm going to I'm not going to use that word. I'm going to use the word X in this article. So, uh, or, or maybe just people, I'll say people. Um, so 
Medicare Advantage, uh, the su- congressional support for Medicare Advantage is essential to ensuring ever-growing profits at the expense of people and taxpayers. We even organized what we insiders derisively called granny fly-ins. We brought people enrolled in our Medicare replacement plans to Washington, equipped them with talking points, and had them fan out across Capitol Hill. I wish somebody would fly me to Washington for free. Instead of joining with the uh, corporate lobbyists in extolling the benefits of Medicare Advantage while obscuring the program's numerous problems, Congress should work to lower the cost of health care. That's just another headline. Uh, anyways, gentleman says, I regret my participation in the efforts, the granny fly-in efforts, among other things. Over the 20 years since Congress passed the Medicare Modernization Act, the Medicare Advantage program has become an enormous cash cow for insurers, in large part because of the way they have rigged the risk-scoring system to maximize profits. As Kaiser Health News reported last month, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services estimated net overpayments to the Medicare Advantage plans by unconfirmed medical diagnoses at $11.4 billion in the year 2022. That was for just one year. Imagine what the cumulative historic total would be. The Medicare and Medicaid programs have become so lucrative and profitable for insurers that United Health Group, the nation's largest health insurer and the biggest in terms of Medicare Advantage enrollment, got 72% of its health plan revenues in 2021 from taxpayers and other and people. <clears throat> I'm going to say old people. In fact, all of United Healthcare's enrollment growth since 2012 has been in the government programs. Enrollment in the company's employer and individual health plan shrank by 370,000 people between 2012 and 2022, so in the last 10 years. Much of the $81 billion United Health collected in revenues in the third quarter of last year was subsidized by American tax dollars. Members of Congress on both sides of the political aisle and both sides of the Capitol are at long last calling for more scrutiny of the Medicare Advantage program, or as Randy would call it, the Medicare Scam Vantage program. And he said, I know that Democrats and Republicans alike care about the financial stability of the Medicare program. Instead of joining with the corporate lobbyists extolling the benefits of Medicare Advantage while obscuring the program's numerous problems and in the process helping big insurance make massive profits, Congress should work to lower the cost of health care. Medicare Advantage is a money-making scam. I should know I helped to sell it, and I'm going to continue working alongside patients, caregivers, and elected officials to address the problems. He is a former vice president for corporate communications at Cigna, which is a huge health insurance company. He is now president of uh, uh, some other outfit that's a little more on the other side of the political aisle than I would be. And uh, But anyway, I'm glad to have his contribution to the battle against the fraud that is Medicare Advantage. And uh, then there were links to a bunch more articles down at the bottom of that thing. So we will be revisiting this topic many times in the near future, I think. What do you think, Randy? Do you think anything? I thought I would just mention one metaphor. I know, I know you and I have talked about this before, but 
we we not we collectively but the you know the media and everybody else throws around the terms of millions and billions and all these kind of terms pretty freely but i don't think the average individual has a concept of you know in their i don't know that they can wrap their mind around that so let me give you a metaphor that i always use to compare millions and billions already i've got my pencil out ready to go one million seconds is how long uh i you know something (laughs) this doesn't even fall in the stump the insurance guy uh (laughs) category so you're gonna have to tell me what that would be one million seconds is a little bit over 11 days okay okay how long is one billion seconds oh that's gonna be maybe a year wouldn't you think one billion seconds in comparison to the 11 days for a million one Uh, billion seconds is a little bit over 31 years holy moly that's a lot of difference so so the con the the comparison between those things is absolutely you, you unless you think about it you can't get your head around it so when somebody says the medicare advantage system is scamming the government out of somewhere around 31 billion dollars worth of overcharges just yep. think about that for a minute well i'll tell you right now that we hear the word billion so frequently that it loses its impact uh it used to be that a million dollars was real money and that was a scary uh amount of money for the government to waste well, it turns out, what did the fraud, uh, what was the fraud figure quoted here? It was uh, in the year 2022. It was, um, um, it was 11.4 billion just in that one year. So that is a substantial hunk of money, in my opinion. So I just thought I would point that out to people because, you know, to your point, Doug, it's real money, but people have lost you know, the ability to conceptualize that. And, and I don't think that's really necessarily a bad thing, but you need to recognize that these people are scamming the government, which ultimately means you, out of money that you cannot see the end of. Absolutely. It's incredible. Uh, when you think about the things that money could do, like if it were left in the hands of private businesses or left in my hands, so that I could live my life of freedom without having to be uh, burdened by government stupidity. I think that money would be uh, used a lot more effectively. There are many, many places to use that money without, uh, as long as you're going to hold a gun to the head of uh, productive citizens and extract money from them, you shouldn't turn around and give it to insurance companies who have concocted a scheme to dip into the federal treasury and just drag wheelbarrows full of money out of there because that's all it is. Yep. I agree wholeheartedly. Well, you know something we are out of time, Doug. Yeah. I'm not surprised to hear that. I've been yakking for a long time. Our our 75 cents worth of airtime has expired. We need to land the plane. So let's go ahead and do that. But before we do that, I need to thank everyone for joining us. We always appreciate when you spend some time with us on Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast, because you could have been a number of different places and you weren't. You were with us spending a few minutes of your day, and we certainly appreciate it. The other thing I would ask you to do is Doug loves email. Okay. I, I Get a crap, get a get a crayon, get a pencil, get a pen, get something, and write down dbj at mlmmailbag.com. 
write down medicareforthelazyman.com, which is the website that we use. And I think we talked about the other things other than one thing. Go hunt down a place to give us a rating on this podcast. We uh, we would certainly appreciate five stars, but we would appreciate you know your effort to go give us some recognition ar- around the community for what Doug does on this thing. Uh, we have uh, we work at it really hard, and uh, I think what was it last uh, month, sixty days ago? I don't know. Anyway, we're, we're up above fifty thousand downloads. So I would just like to point out to you folks that you are in the company of a lot of folks, and we appreciate it. So in the meantime, you have spent about 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy from Oklahoma City originally, no more. He's living in Cave Creek, Arizona, up in the high mountains behind the city in his fortress of solitude. Bye-bye, everyone. <laughs>